Things to know about Ghana. The police is your friend until there's an order from above. Hey people, welcome to another exciting episode of the Sincerely Accra podcast. My name is Joseph N.T. And this podcast is brought to you by the kind courtesy of the Gold Coast Report. That is the GCR Network. I also want to give a quick shout out to my co-creator and producer, Mr. Kwame Asante Ofori. Yes, yes, yes. It's another exciting episode of the Sincerely Accra podcast. And you know what we always do? Bring you a good time, entertain you, and you know, hopefully keep you out of doing something crazy. Because, you know, people do crazy things. They send it here. And then when we tell you, you are like, oh my God, that does sound crazy. <laughs> but anyway, welcome, 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 people. Wow, we a lot has gone on in the land. A lot has gone on in Adigana. <laughs> but actually, um, centered here in Accra. Um, for I mean, if you if you are not aware, because you know, a lot of people have not been aware. Um, on 21st September, Kwame Nkrumah's birthday, a group of people set out to protest. Because there's a lot of things that is happening that, you know, pe- there's just a lot of difficulty in the land. Cost of living has gone through the roof. There's literally no price ceiling for anything. You know, you can wake up today, one thing costs this thing. Wake up tomorrow, it costs another thing. You know, there's just a series of things that are happening. And you're seeing the leadership of the country make one bad decision after the other. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, let me just jog your memory. You know, we were all here. DDP happened. Um... Minister of Finance proposed the IMM, the EE levy. Um, citizens said no. Economists said, you know, what you're trying to achieve with this e-levy is not practical. The amounts of money that you think you're going to raise in the time that you think you need to raise it to be able to cancel out the debts and everything, it's not possible. Oh, these guys said, oh, no, 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 we are going to go ahead and do it. They did it. They even had a party and had an e-levy cake that they cut. Yeah, they didn't meet their goals. And, you know, before they, they introduced the e-levy, there was a whole conversation about how we're not going to go back to IMF, we're not going to go back to IMF. But guess what? We went back to IMF. And I am just learning that this is the 17th time that the country has gone for an IMF loan bailout. Immediately that uh, deal was signed, the money came through. I remember there was a statement that was put out by the finance minister to say that, oh, you know what? You know, this doesn't mean we're out of the woods. Um, don't expect the IMF bailout to change things. We're still, you know. And that was for me, that was like the first red flag. I was like, what are you talking about? What is the plan? When you, like, you went for the money, what is it going to do? And then now we hear the president say, oh, you know, there's a, there's a balance of payment deficit that we have to, like, you know, close. Um, there's a lot of money that was lost uh, due to the pandemic you know we just really have to like cover up a lot of things uh that that the money that you know went that was lost i'm sorry i'm just very confused in my reportage right now i'm just this this like the third time that i'm hit and play and honestly i can i cannot i can't care less to be like coherent anymore because i feel like everything is out there you know occupy Jolobi house hashtag go read about it it's just really crazy and um, this is the portion of the show where we dedicate to talking about like trending things, things that are happening. And it's just, I'm very, I'm very stressed out by everything. Um, on Thursday, people went out to protest and 
the protest didn't even happen because the day before the police put out a press statement that was saying that they had put an injunction on the the um the protest mind you the organizers of the protest had uh, made the police aware of their decision to protest weeks before okay and it's important to note police do not give you permission to protest it is part of your constitutional rights to demonstrate what the police you're supposed to do is inform the police so that they know what you're doing, where you're doing it, and then they can protect you. If the police feels like where you're going to go and whatever is not safe or whatever, they can advise you on it. The police does not give permission. So Thursday morning, people go and assemble to start protesting and they show up with vans and then they just like, they just scoop people up. You know, some people were treated messlessly. People have, have, have been hurt. We saw videos, we saw pictures, we watched it all, all on Twitter. Because guess what? The big, big news uh, media outlets, nobody wanted to report on it. Yeah, we even saw the day after the protest, all the, the major newspapers, not a single reportage of the incident that happened the day before. You know, for those of you that listen to us on Twitter space, I went to the Dansoman police station because there were five detainees there. Um, we stayed there. We made sure, you know, shout out to all the lawyers that did their thing. Prince Ganaku and his people. Um, we got, we, we reached out to Prince. You know, he got, um, two lawyers to come to the Dansoman police station and sort it out. And eventually everybody was released as about like 9 p.m. That was when the last people from Downsman were released. But a lot has gone on. And um, I just, I don't know. This is a country where a member of parliament can vacate her job and go and be posting TikTok videos for as long as one year or more. I don't even know how long she was away, but it was a pretty long time. And then she comes back, does a cute little video asking for apology. And before we realize, she set up a whole thing where she's sharing ice cream on a tray. Babe, let me tell you something. I would have respected you more if you had stood in the corner and came with people that would come and save the ice cream for you because that the, the, like that fake modesty thing that you guys always try to portray oh you're subservient look at you you are here you're the one serving the ice cream on the tray girl girl it wasn't giving what you thought it was going to give it is it is embarrassing and it's because you know you guys are always preying on the ignorance of Ghanaians that is what it is I keep telling you guys many Ghanaians don't have the means to educate themselves we say google this and google that, that but that is something that is reserved for a very select few a lot of these people they can't read and write English a lot of these people even if they can they can't afford a bundle a lot of these people when they get a bundle they would ra much rather go on TikTok and enjoy themselves so they are not really learning they learn from mass media and when the mass media platforms people who come and spew nonsense, rubbish, people that don't contribute anything positive to what is going on in this country, this is what the mass media, this is what the um, the, the general Ghanaian populace is going to pick up. When people come and say, oh, Cecilia, she's not smart. She shouldn't have gone to the police. She should have, if this money, you know that if you go, cause da, 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 then, then you, you go to places where people are listening. This is what they are picking up. Better ways to be thieves. Do you see what I'm, what is happening? And so people are not aware of the things that happen. So you can come down after being away from your job for how long and come and share ice cream. And then people can do what? Ooh, they forget about it. And then they're going to vote you back because you came to give them what? Ice cream? In some cases, bags of rice, packs of Indomie oil. Can you really fault people when they don't know what is going on? And they are living in abject poverty. So any handout that you give them is something that they need. Everything is just planned to keep people down and to keep the people at the top to continue being where they are. We've seen the state of Kolebu. We've seen the state of the roads. Children die crossing the river just to go to school. Not a, not a life jacket in sight, not a proper infrastructural building for them to study where it is safe.
We've seen the pictures. We've seen it. Just recently, the vice president's uh, convoy was stuck in mud or whatever. I think it was the same day that the protest was happening. We see what happens when it rains. And it's so easy. Oh, yes, people are literate. And you are choking the guys, blah, blah, blah. Who did we vote into power? Whose who's, who's, uh, job is it to make sure that you educate people so they don't litter? It's so easy for people to say, oh, and the Ghanaians, we are past and we are this and we are that. But isn't it because of that same reason that we elected leaders? When you are in a class, why do you think that they elect a class prefect? Because some of y'all are going to do stupid shit. So somebody needs to be put in charge of you. And the reason why we have elected leaders is not for them to come and make money and send their kids outside of school and go and have medical checkup outside the country and then leave everybody in a deplorable state. Yeah, Khan will say, eh, 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 Russia, Ukraine, what? When did the Russia, Ukraine, what happened? COVID. When did that happen? Every single excuse in the book except yourselves. You have a finance minister that has come and brought, um, what's it called? All these things, E-Levy, this, da, 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 and none of it has worked. And now we've gone to IMF for the 17th time. But this person is still at post. There was once a point where he was actually sick and he had to leave the country to go and get uh, medical treatments. And we want to believe that this person is fit to still make these decisions. What is going on in this country? It's crazy. It's crazy. Ghana had so much potential. I grew up in this country. I know I've seen better days. This country has seen better days. People cannot afford to live. I'm going to jump right into what Twitter said because what Twitter said is actually like also something that is going to tell you what is going on, okay? This week, um, in what Twitter said, I'm going to be reading the tweets from Asmauli Fell, okay? Um, he tweeted with the hashtag OccupyJLBHouse. He said the daily minimum wage in Ghana is 14.88 pesos. 14 cities, 88 pesos. A loaf of bread is now 15 Ghana cities. The cheapest Uber ride is 15 Ghana cities. A litre of petrol is 14 cities, 80 pesos. Watches start selling from 8 cities. 2.5 um, gigabytes data bundle is 15 Ghana cities. On also train our dream. I mean, we stand to be corrected if it's wrong, but I live in the land. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm experiencing. The basic things that people can afford. A crate of egg, 50 Ghana cities and above. Kinky, five cities. How? How do you jump from Kinky, one city to five? These are basic things that people like, you know, people who live hand to mouth. When they say hand to mouth, if the person doesn't leave the house to go and hustle, they don't make money. Some of us are salaried workers. We get money at the end of the month. It can, you know, it can, you can hold us. Now it doesn't hold us for four weeks. Two weeks now, because everybody now arrears. I made a joke about this at SA Live. Y'all know. It is serious. It is serious. And this is why people went out to protest. For me, I don't feel like I want to waste my energy talking about people that didn't speak up, people that didn't show up, musicians and celebrities. and what. I don't want to waste my time on all of that. I don't. I don't. I just, I just don't. Um... This is just for you guys to understand, just in case people are living on the rock, they don't know what is happening in the country. And it's been such a shit show, if you ask me. It's very disappointing. At the very least, people should be allowed to go out and protest peacefully, which is what it was. There was not a single weapon in sight. No protester went out with anything that could be identified as a, as a weapon. Placards and just good intentions. But guess what? Apparently... The Jubilee House is a security area that nobody can pick it in front of. But if you are if you are an American rapper, you can enter and shoot a video. Oh, from all angles. And it don't mean shit. And it even baffles me because every single person that lives in this country knows that the president does not even stay there. The last time a president laid down in that place, he was dead and on display. That is the truth. So what really is it? People were taking videos where were arrested and detained, phones confiscated. Over 24 hours. Wow. 
just wow 2023 <laughs> anyway guys we're not gonna like you know that's not the whole theme of this podcast you know it's just a little update and just to let you guys be aware of what is happening in the country anyway we'll be back to get into the crux of this podcast episode i love you guys man ghana must work ghana must work we interrupt our program to bring you this important message Impact they feed them demonstration they have on the, the state of the nation. Impact in the baby, impact in the baby. What's in the message now? Yes, send no. And the government's now all the no. Yes, set president. I'm on there. Yeah, but yes, you have been. You're not busy. Because you're perfect now. Because you're in German all year. This year, I have brown. It's impact no day. This year, on there. Why the elite zone, elite zone. But come on, my phone in the streets for now. Come on, the police move in your one year. Okay, I'll cross in your mouth. We've been complaining enough. It's time to, you know, make a difference in our numbers and make sure that they can tell that we are really, really serious. Because yeah, bre, yeah, bre, yeah. We need better jobs. We need better hospital facilities. Like in Yasika, Yasika now a warm feel. No more for my sa. Neshe bedroom no. Neshe impanase no. Omo yiyi my. Right now my eye red oh. This is not the start. We're not stupid. We don't think that this is going to magically change things. We know that this is just the start and this is just the first step. We need to start supporting our local people in our communities that are doing things to fill in the gaps that the government is not is not doing people who are in our communities that are helping to provide food and shelter and things for our, like the poor people in our communities. This sends a sign that if they push, we'll push back. All righty. Ah, uh, we're back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, people. I'm so exhausted, by the way. I'm very, very tired. Um, I come home. I had a meeting with Kwame and GCR for an hour. So then that ended at nine. And then I had to eat. And then I had to cook. I made a uh, chicken stew and then I made jollof. And like, this is, this is it. This is where I am now. Okay. At this time, recording this before I go to bed and wake up early and go to work. Like, it is a lot, but I, I'm just going to power through. <laughs> and I'm honestly being very honest with you and transparent so that you guys understand what it's like. This is it. We're real people on this thing. You know, it's not something like manufactured to come and give you some, Hey guys, listen. So, you know, on this episode, we're going to be talking. No, 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 no. This is it. Okay. But anyway. We're going we're gonna to get through it. Okay. So for this episode, we're going to be talking about iconic Ghanaians in TV and film. Oh, yes. And as most of you know, this is a topic in which I am very happy and excited about. Um, yeah. Because uh, I will tell you, a lot of who I am... You know, aside, you know, people that I've met in real life, my family members, my friends, you know, I, 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 I pick 
bits and pieces from lit, from people around me, especially people that I I enjoy, people whose um you know um gesticulations and 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 delivery and the way they speak and whatever, I really enjoy it. I can I can literally watch you and like maybe in like thirty minutes, I'm fully absorbing like something that you said and how you behave, and then I'll just you know remix it into you know my personality. And so a lot of what you see now is actually a lot of the things that I've absorbed. On television, radio, and then things around me. And, you know, just thinking back on iconic onions in TV and film, I'm just like, wow, there's just like so many people, just so many people. I just don't even know where to begin, but I've, I thought to break this down. So I'm going to start with like presenting and hosting. Okay. Presenting and hosting the people that like, for me, I just always like readily took notice of. And I always like to wear joy to kind of like consume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna try and do it chronologically. But you know, I've, I'm, I, if you, if you, if you follow me on social media, you know, I'm a very like visual, I love consuming visual arts. So I love music videos. And this is something that has always been a thing. I've always loved to see how artists will interpret the music that they, they are given to us visually. And so I really, really loved Aloe Buzz. I don't know. I don't know how many people of you know Aloe Buzz and Aloe Buzz. If I, I hope I'm remembering all of this correctly. Honestly, if any, if I make a mistake, please, you know, 35 year old plus people, 40 year old plus. Cause the reason why I say that is because they were much older than I was when I was consuming. You know what? Like if you are like in your, your teens, you remember things more vividly than if you were like below 10 years old and you were watching it, which was the case for most of these things, you know. So 35 to 40, 40 plus, you can correct me, but I remember Alobas and I remember there was this very quirky, interesting character called Isopele. He used to host the show. He used to wear a coolie high and he would twist it to one side. I mean, he was bald. Sometimes he would be bald, but sometimes he would wear the coolie high, twist it to one side. He would have like sunglasses on. He would wear a top that's usually a little tight. Um, yeah. I mean, we mostly saw him from the waist up. So I don't really remember what he used to wear down there, but he was very like energetic and he would, I'm isopitly. And you know, it was just very interesting to watch. I was always like very intrigued. And isopitly, I think Alo Buzz, if I remember, they were like, they would put out like, they would, they would promote like 10 songs, right? And tell you that, oh, look, we're going to play the music video for these 10 songs. No, we're going to play the music video for like, maybe like the top three songs. And then people are supposed to vote throughout the week for their favorite, the music videos that they want to watch the most. And then they will show it on the day of the show. Ladies and gentlemen of the youth, especially Gen Z. Back then, even though there was internet, people didn't easily, people didn't have computers. It wasn't, it wasn't common. Um, we didn't have smartphones where we just click and then we watch a video. There was no YouTube. There was nothing. If you wanted to watch a, a video that you really, really liked, you either go to the cafe, you pay 500, 500, is it 500 CDs? It was like, it was a well, not 500 CDs, but it was like the gold coin. I think 50 pesos today. Yeah. For 30 minutes, one CD for one hour. Yeah. And then they'll give you a code. You type in your username, you type in the code. And at the time I will start clicking on the computer. And then you go to Tubity. <laughs> Tubity.com to go and fucking watch your favorite music video. And you know, as kids, we didn't even have that money. So this is it. And the funny thing was that as kids, we couldn't even vote. So I would literally, every time I would see these uh music videos come, and I'll literally be like, y'all better vote for this Destiny's Child song. I want to watch Lose My Breath. <laughs> I mean, the fate of the music video I watched was literally the house of people I didn't know. 
But yeah, another person that I really enjoyed as a kid, and I remember this vividly, was Kweku Sinting Misa, um, KSM. You know, I think KSM sort of started out doing stand-up comedy, if I could remember correctly. Like, KSM was, was, was always known for his humor. And then, KSM did the single most iconic thing that I feel any Ghanaian has done, especially on television. KSM started doing drag. Yes, KSM was doing stand-up comedy in drag. Anybody that is too young to know this, ask about Ifia Srebo. Yeah, KSM, if you know the KSM show, I don't know if it still runs, but I mean, it, it was running, I can say at least five years ago, the KSM show was still around. Um, so it's a talk show, I think, on Metro TV. But KSM was this older Ghanaian man who used to do stand-up comedy and he he started a new line of stand-up. I, I think this was even before Madia. KSM predates if your cerebral predates Madia, if I am, if I am, I mean we can fact check this, but anyway. He would get up there in Kaba and sleep. I remember the first one. I think the first one was like, um, if Yasriba was running for president of Ghana and he would do this very horrible, like voice, He'd be like, Hey, my name is Yasriba. <laughs> you know that thing that guys do whenever they're trying to sound like women and they try to drop their voice. They think, no, they, they think that women are supposed to be, have high pitched voice. So they always say, it does, it's always funny, but uh, yeah. And the, sh- the shows were sold out my dear KSM would do adverts for the show literally in drag and they would play it on Ghanaian television and grown-ups men women would pay national theater conference it would be packed and he would go there in full makeup wig cabin slit and he would do a set and he was funny yeah and they would even show it on TV. Like after, you know how like after the show has finished, they do show it because they want you to come to the next one next year. It was a yearly thing, if I remember. Or was it quarterly? I can't remember, but I just remember. There's nothing more iconic than that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And you see, which is why sometimes I look at the way things are right now, the homophobia and the nonsense behaviors and attitudes that people are portraying. And I'm like, this is so funny. This is a country where men, like, if you go to, like, if you, if you really pay attention down there, men hold hands and there's nothing behind it. But I don't know. I don't know. I, let me not go off on this tangent because, you know, it's, but, this man was doing drag and the nation lived for it. So when you see people today wearing wigs and whatever on social media, doing content and making people laugh and you want to call them out and say, hey, these people, somebody, this boy, you know, secretly gay and whatever. You're like, well, people have done it before. There's a precedence that was set. I'm telling you, ha, if you're a don't play with KSM. Hi, this is KSM. And this is a fiasco. I am sure you know I'm coming away this Christmas. I met this Nigerian man. He's so excited, you know. He was driving, um, what do they call that car? Austin, Austin Martin? Austin Martin? Yeah, that's it. And, and he wanted to, to pick me up, you know. And, and then they just drove the car right there. They said, uh, baby, you want to ride in my Austin Martin? <laughs> I said, excuse me, it's Aston Martin. You can pronounce the name, but I own the car. 
Okay, now ne- next down the line when it comes to presenting and hosting, it's definitely going to have to be David Donto. Okay, anybody that knows, I grow. I so try. Western Union, no libi libi, no labalaba. Now this is also another iconic. Like, do you know? That the Agro show was so basically, if you don't know what the Agro show is, it was a game show. Basically, it was targeted at I would say middle to lower lower income people, um, because they would go to. I wouldn't say it was targeted at, but that was like the subject of the show or the people that they brought on the show. Um, they would go to rural areas, okay? They would travel around Ghana, go to rural areas, and they would set up a stage, like the game show stage. And then they would bring like these people in the, in the cities and the towns up on stage. And it was like a game show that was done in tree. And he would ask questions like tree proverbs, to abey you so. What's your say? Who's a chinchidia? Hey, what's chinchidia? Who's a chinchidia? And I'm, eh, I'm not you know, you know, like those things soon, so they are the other then they'll say, What's the answer? Oh, on you know, it was, it was great. And I, I think when I was growing up, like I lived with my mom for quite a while and I used to speak Ga, and you know, my dad is a can. And so tree was not, when it comes to the local languages, I learned Ga before tree. Um, and so I remember my dad would always like make fun of me. And those guys, when I was a kid. And so I was particularly interested in Agro because I was learning a lot. I was learning the, 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 Ebe and those things. They would always have like questions where they would bring the Edinkra symbols. So you're supposed to know what it means and all this kind of the name of the Edinkra symbol. Like it was very educated, but it was also funny because like you, they go to the rural area, they bring these people on. And one of my favorite things was, you know, they had this like, pl- um, paper hats that they, they were supposed to wear. It was like, um, just think of like a baseball cap, but then without the, the, the top part that covers your head, it only covers, it's like a visor. Oh yeah. That's, that's the name. It's like a visor. And I, my favorite thing was when the contestant will wear it upside down and then it looked like a crown. Oh my God. Every time somebody come up and I felt like, Oh my God, this person has so much swag. And let me tell you something. You guys, let me tell you the golden age of Guardian showbiz entertainment pop culture. Ooh, it is behind us. I'm telling you, we have the potential to bring it back in a new and reformed way, but y'all just, you, you people are just more interested in hitting and putting people down. Moving on, I definitely want to shout out Uncle Chester. Um, Uncle Chester had a show on TV where he would read to kids. He, um, Uncle Chester, I know he's a lawyer, but also he was, I would say the first effeminate man that I saw on TV. It was... It was so interesting to see, you know, and I, I, it takes me back to the topic, like all of the hate that you see for effeminate people today and people want to like lynch them and all these kind of things. It's all recently learned and you know who is leading that campaign. And if hate is how you want to go about it, shame on you. But Uncle Chester, he would read. He's a well-educated man. He had a great diction. And he would read those books to those kids. And he would gesticulate. Like, he wasn't just reading like, and Goldilocks went and is the porridge. No! He was giving you, Goldilocks took the porridge. She put the spoon in it. Put it in her mouth. It was hot. And she blew on it. Like, he was very animated. Oh my God. I loved, like, I just loved listening to him read. And it made me like, I learned a lot because I remember in class, when we're in, uh, Iraq class five, we used to have a class on comprehension. And basically we're reading books. So they bring a book and then we read it out loud. And every time the teacher will call, like, when you read this chapter, the next, this paragraph, the next person read the next paragraph. And one of the things that like she would always complain about was the fact that everyone was reading flats. 
Can I remember her name? I've forgotten this woman's name. She was a very little tiny woman with big glasses and she always had a ponytail. She had, for as long as I, went, as I was in the school, she had the same hairstyle, that same ponytail. She never switched it up till I finished the school. Um, she always used to tell us about her child that was abroad. <laughs> oh my God, I've forgotten her name. Oh, Theresa, remember, remind me, okay. My, my friend Theresa, of course, a papa few who went to St. Bernadette with me listens to this. So she's, she's definitely going to text me, remind me. But, um, she would always complain that people were reading so flat. She wanted you to be animated and stuff. And I always knew how to do it because, hey, I, I used to watch Uncle Chester. So shout out to you, Uncle Chester. You, you did the thing. You are iconic in, in, in TV and you deserve all the praise. Is that an industry? Industry is based on seriousness get our act together we got to be serious about whatever you do you got to have passion without the passion without the hard work people think oh a model is six foot tall and therefore I'm a model you're not a model what's your education level when I say education level your what impact do you have on the world is there a model industry in Ghana no you can't say I'm a model so I sleep all day get a job do something and then you're part-time you do a modeling it's an add-on till we create an industry Industry doesn't fall from the sky. It's from hard work. People don't grow famous restaurants or famous hotels around the world. It takes years of hard work. So if we want to have an industry, let's stop mediocre. Stop churning out those cheap stuff we do and hang them all over the streets and everything. Let's find our niche. You have your niche. I have my niche. And if we were to stop PhD and pulling down syndrome and envy and jealousy and insult and petty abuse, we would all go so far. Ghana is one of the most amazing countries. We just don't know what we're sitting on. I definitely want to shout out, this is honorable mention would be Mami Dokno. Mami Dokno also because of By the Fireside. I was on By the, by the Fireside once, by the way. Oh my, I know. Grace Omar Mami Dokno. So basically, she had a by the by the fireside was a show, which if you guys if you guys definitely the thirty five plus group if you guys remember, early 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 days by the fireside was actually done by a man. I've forgotten his name, but I remember he was it was a man. But Mami Dokno made it popular. So basically, it's like you know, there's this whole thing with um you know our. I don't want to say our tradition or whatever, but like this whole idea of like reading or telling stories by the fireside. So that's where it comes from. And she would literally like sit down and tell stories to a group of children sitting around here. And my interest, the, 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 my favorite part of that show was, um, the kids would, enact the story so as she tells a story they do cutaways where the children are actually playing you know it was it was it was great i loved it and um i remember one time i went to i, I used to live with my cousins for a while and uh mommy Dokni used to go to her church so one time during an easter the easter season they decided to shoot an episode of by the fireside at the church and they just happened to come to our Sunday school class to, to, to pick people to film with. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, we didn't do the acting. So we just, we were just the children who like sit around my Okno and then she'll say, children, can I tell you a story? Then we'll say, yes, I love that. That was like my first time witnessing what a production was like because they called us out of the classroom then they arranged us based on what we were wearing like if you looked nice you were wearing very nice stuff you'd be on the first row and remember that day i was wearing this purple shirt and it had a, like very pointy collars and then the button the zip in the front to open right it was a zipper but then the handle was like a ring so you pull it down pull it up i, I looked great and so they put me in the front and then 
they then and then be, and guys, I hope you guys probably don't know this, but before you know how like when um she's telling the story, she will ask a question like, okay, who knows what a farmer is? Then somebody will raise their hand. They say, you tell me. They say a farmer is somebody that plants food to feed people. Then you say, very smart. Everybody clap for him. You know, before we actually start filming, they will pick people. So they'll be they'll be like they'll be like. Who will, who can answer some of our questions? So if you want to, you raise your hand, then they'll ask the question and then they'll see, then you give an answer. If they like your answer, they'll be like, okay, you answer this question when, um, Mami Dokno asks, asks the question. So it's, that's what happened. And I answered one of the questions and they were like, they like my answer. And then they moved me from where I was sitting to come and sit right next to her. I don't even know. Look, I always, I always say GTV, I need the footage. I need the footage. I don't know how I'm going to find it, but it was the Easter episode. I remember. And I ended up sitting right next to Mami Dokno. Oh my God, it was everything. And I answered a question. And I remember the day that it aired, we were all in my, in my house. It was a family thing. All my cousins and aunties and uncles, everybody came together and we watched it together. <laughs> I love it. So shout out to you, Mami um, Dokni. You were definitely iconic. Now we're going to move straight into acting. <laughs> I need to, I need to say this. Brew Riverson Jr. was the one. He was not the two, the three, the four, or the five. Don't play with him. His diction, his cadence. Oh my God. You know, if you ask me, I think that Brew Riverson could have easily been the RMD of Ghana if he had stick, he had stuck to acting. Because as, you know, there, there's a group of Ghanaian actors, all right, in the early age, you know, the, the, uh, Brew Riverson Jr., Rama Brew, um, um, even Akofa. Well, I would say Akofa because Akofa kept acting, but there's, 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 there's a group of them that kind of like just, I don't know, maybe it was a hobby for them. So they just stopped at a point and they didn't go past what they did. But they, fortunately for us, also, they kind of stopped before things got bad. <laughs> Cause you know that the industry really has, you know, but yeah, but I, if you ask me, Brew Riverson Jr., easily be our rmd he was good looking he spoke very well he had a lot of sex appeal um and another one that i really love is grace naughty and i i i, I came to learn later on in life that i went to school with her granddaughter but anyway grace naughty was an iron lady oh my god what am i saying was she's still alive grace naughty well yeah back in the back then and she always used to in her movies they always used to typecast her where she would have a problem with mark jordan amati's uh, character and uh, uh, of, of blessed memory because he's passed on um he used to be my god teacher by the way in gss mark jordan amati and he had he had a very funny accent you know he sounded very british sometimes but he was very interesting um yeah grace naughty was very very interesting to me uh she was strong she always played strong roles you know and i don't know she just there was just something about her delivery it just yeah you want her to be your grandmother but at the same time you're also afraid of her she was, i love grace naughty ah <laughs> she always looked good she had a good head of hair before she started to wear a lot of like duku and stuff duku is like a head wrap yeah, yeah, yeah. grace Nancy was great um but you know these were all like the you know very respectable playing those like responsible roles but you know me, you know I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> so somebody could have, somebody should have inspired me and in walked Eunice Banini. I am telling you this down for a fact. I, that woman used to scare me, but it was in a good way. 
I wasn't scared like the way Babina scared me. I remember I I don't know. I can't remember who played Babina. But Babina used to scare me. I couldn't sleep. Babina and Karishika was a lot. I was like, take that away from me. But let me tell you, Eunice Manini, the ba- what we talk about? Ba- when I say bad bitch and the warrior, Eunice Manini. She had a brother, Nats Benini, who was also acting as well. But honestly, yeah, you know, no, no disrespect, but like, I don't think Nats Benini, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't focus on him. But Eunice Benini, one of the last things that I remember Eunice Benini in was Bloody Mary with Susie Williams, who is another, listen, she's next on my list. Bloody Mary, we ended as well, like, they were kind of like, I think they were prostitutes or something like, listen, oh. <laughs> I think that Eunice Bonini really tapped into her bad bitch potential when she cuts like she Eunice Bonini for the longest time that I've known her she had shaved off all her hair she was literally bald she had a nose piercing back when people didn't have nose piercings in 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 film what are you talking about Eunice Bonini was every hey like every time I see Eunice Bonini in the movie you know how like when you watch Nigerian movies and you see uh, Patience Ozoko you know that she's about to be wicked Eunice Bonini you know she was going to start some shit. You know she was going to be the one that you don't fuck with. Like, every time I saw Eunice Vanini in the movie, I was like, yes, yes, and yes. Oh, I love Eunice Vanini. She was iconic. Hey, girl, can I take you home tonight? How much can you afford? About 800 cities. 800 cities? Go home, sleep with your 800 cities. You must be crazy. Oh, 800 is money. It's money? Yeah. Go fuck your mother. Thank you, lady. Thank you very much. Thank your mother. Foolish boy. How dare you? So you stay in the house. You are here looking for pussy. The hell with you. Hello, sunshine. Hello. What's the quarrel about? Your mother, foolish boy. Let me tell you something. Brew Riverson, Grace Naughty, Grace Omarbo, like those caliber of actors, they were naturals. Like, it did not look scripted it did not look fake it was just it was just very easy you know what i mean and it was so believable oh oh my god and then we i mean definitely another person that definitely for me when it comes to film it was Susie williams she was just oh my god someone who died way 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 too you know i always tell people i am i i mean i i don't know if i i, I this is offensive or whatever but like I get upset at the fact that I never got to see Susie Williams in a full HD lace frontal. I get upset because Susie was wearing, back then, for what, for what we had, Susie was wearing some good wigs. Listen, Susie Williams single-handedly popularized. There was this wig where like there's bangs in the front and then the rest of the wig is turned like, it's like, okay, so if bangs kind of like lie down onto your forehead, right? The opposite of that would be like raised upwards right yes so the, the 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 front of the wig was like bangs lying down and then the rest of the hair was like bangs looking upwards that wig she popularized it hey Susie williams i mean what role what official prostitute sun city when she was called sharon stone like listen they snubbed when they did that sharon stone <laughs> she was up and the, the way she used to walk on campus don't fuck it Listen, and for me to close out the actors list would definitely be Nanama McBrown. Nanama McBrown for me was such an anomaly. I used to, I used to get really confused because when I was growing up, right, there was a brief, like, the, 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 not brief. Oh my God. <laughs> there was a big distinction between Kumasi actors, Kumasi movies and their actors and then the movies that were done in Accra. There was a big distinction. The Ijakos, uh, Vivian Jill, and all those people, they were in the Kumasi zone. 
And that's how they were seen. They didn't do crossovers. They didn't come into the, the, the Venus film production places. You know, I, I guess Abdul Salam was not calling them. And, um, then we had the Yvonne Nelsons, the Van Vickers, Majis. They were all like in the English speaking, um, fact. But Nana Mamad Brown was the only one that I saw who played both sides. She would be in these Kumasi movies and give you the tree, low down, dirty, like she would give you the raw, authentic tree. And then you would see her in a Venus film production, rubbing shoulders with um, um, Nadia Bari and stuff, and speaking the English. Like, for me, she was such an anomaly because it was like Kumasi actors. And, and the reason why I say this is because even back then, the Kumasi actors, whenever they would have like a few roles where they have to speak English, you could tell that like, I don't know if they were playing it up or that's just what they used to do, but there was always a clear... Uh, a sign that they didn't have mastery of the English language and that trees what they, they were doing best at doing but not Nana Mama Brown what are you talking about ah don't get me started like <laughs> Woo, so many so many you know I think she was even in like there was this movie this uh, uh, I don't know if it was Venus film but it was an English speaking movie where she was part of like a girl squad and you know back then Venus films hey where you wear green top they'll give you green hats green earrings green shoes and you wear jean skirts <laughs> Oh my god. The styling was off the hook. It was unhinged. Honestly, it was unhinged. The machi machi was too much. But like I I it, oh my god, none of my work brown. And you can see today, like I would love to have a conversation with her too on the podcast or even on behind the hits. That's something that we need to look look into. I'm going to see my friend, the one I told you about. Like this? Like what? What is wrong with my dressing? Try it. The way you are dressed is sexual immorality. And sexual immorality is a sin against the body and your body is the temple of God, Juliet. And so? And so therefore you sinned against God. Ladies. The same Bible tells her that. It is not what goes into our body that makes us impure, but rather what comes out of our body. I'm going to tell you, one of the things that I bond over with my mom was television. You know, before my little brother came along, I, I, I'm, I'm 10 years older than my brother. So my mom and I were alone together for 10 years and we bonded a lot over television. We'd watch uh, Miss Ghana. We'd watch Passions. We'd watch, we watch everything on TV and we'd always critique it together. So my mom and I, like even today, 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 when we are watching TV or we are, we are, we are driving through town, we see billboards, we're always critiquing this. Ah, this message does not match the story. That, that, that's us. And we both loved Shelly so much when she first put out her first movie life and living it we were there at the premiere i remember and i have seen every single shelly movie in premiere i'm telling you if there's a shelly movie i've not seen in premiere then it's maybe the new ones where she puts on her website every single shelly movie i was there down to champagne the tv show she didn't even continue again you get it okay right now i don't watch the aquaba magic ones just because of time yeah but i was such a trooper i life and living it i watched it I think the next one was Perfect Picture. Who doesn't know Perfect Picture? Perfect Picture was one of the best, you know. But I'm, I'm, honestly, for me, my my favorite Shirley movie is A Sting in a Tale. Hands down. Hands down. Um, I mean, we definitely... She gave us uh, Scorned. That's, that's, that's Lydia Forsen's breakout uh, movie role. We all got introduced to Lydia, Lydia Forsen. Lydia Forsen was... By the way, Lydia Forsen was a walker pass in Hotel St. James. A walker pass is like an extra. She was in Hotel St. James. I remember the scene that she was in. She had like... She was wearing a bikini. Needed by the pool. I remember back then she wasn't popular, so nobody really paid attention. But then 
Shirley put her in scorned with uh, Chris, Chris, Chris at all. And I remember that at that time, Becker's uh, music video for Becker's song, Dakeda, yes, they used the, the movie to promote the song or they used the song to promote the movie. I don't know. But basically, Chris and Lydia were in the music video and they used excerpts from the movie. And that's when we noticed Lydia. So definitely, um, if I remember, Life and Living a Perfect Picture, then there was Scorn. Then there was check me. You know, there's this thing I realized um, when Shirley came, it's like she took every single one of our A-list actresses and gave them like and made them the lead in a movie. Then and then she started Adam's Apple. Oh my god. Adam's Apple used to remind me so much of Desperate Housewives because I literally grew up with the women of Osteria Lane. Don't play with me. I grew up watching the show all eight seasons. So when she started Adam's Apple, I was I was I was smitten and I loved how she used to do it. Every um was it every season or every episode? I've forgotten, but she used to sell the CDs. I have like all the CDs. I have them, trust me. And they would premiere it and we'd go and watch it. And then they would sell the CDs for the rest of the season. And we'd watch it. And each cover was like well done to tell a story. My favorite cover was the one where Ivan Okori was sitting in front of the mirror. She was wearing a gown. Like she was wearing something very normal. But in the, in the mirror, her reflection was wearing something red and juicy. And her hair was made up. And she was... Girl, don't get me started, guys. Like, I can go on and on. Oh, my goodness. So, definitely, guys. Yeah, big shout out to, 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 um, Shirley Frimpong, man. So, and listen, I'm sure there's a lot of people that I forget or there's a lot of people that I couldn't remember, but these are the people that, like, any given day, I will always praise and shout out because they contributed so much to who I am today. A lot of the things that I consumed on television, these are the things they were involved in it in some way or the other. And so, yeah, let us know, okay? On this episode, we're talking about iconic Ghanaians in TV and film. Who do you think has not been mentioned? Do you agree with the people on my list? Do you also have moments? Do you have any corrections to make to all these things that I've said? Listen, use the hashtag and tweet it as a let's, let's keep the conversation going. I would love to hear from you guys because, ha, ah, what an amazing, amazing time that we've had. Anyway, guys, right about now, we're going to be delving into, um, a very special interview that we did with a very special individual that's also doing amazing in film, um, outside the shores of Ghana. She's Ghanaian and you're going to hear her story. And, um, yeah. Let's get into that and I'll catch you on the other side. Any are who I shame Kurasuma, this young one, I'm a team. Dark and dark and dark, I could have stopped breathing if you told me to. Send me one no water, okay? The moment it in my coma, baby, miss all. 
If you're like me, anytime you see, you know, an international production, you're always checking for the credits, not just for the cast, you know, but I want to see the level of Ghanaian involvement in any of these movies and things that we watch, you know. And, um, you know, quite recently, you know, some of my friends live in London and they came to Ghana and they're watching this uh, show on Netflix called Stay Close. And it's just, you know, divine intervention. We've got... <laughs> <laughs> One of the writers of the show, um, Sheila Notley. I hope I, I've pronounced her name right. We'll yeah, give her the chance to clear that up. But yeah, she's a, a writer, producer, director. She does everything in film. Or well, maybe not um, costuming. <laughs> but maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. not yet. But yeah, hi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a pleasure, by the way. No, the you know, so Netflix, <laughs> Sky. Yeah, I've been busy. Very busy. I've been very busy. But yeah, it's all going well. And it's just nice to be able to come home and, and, and celebrate it amongst my people. So yeah. Yeah, I'm welcome. So Thank what you. brings you to Ghana? Um, holidaying, actually. So I just wrapped on a show called Supercell, which is the UK's first black superhero show. Um, and we wrapped that in January and we're still in post, but I felt like I needed a little bit of time just to, uh -huh. you know, just chill and take it easy and, um, regroup. When so. is that coming out by the way? Cause I read, I yeah. read the like description and it's kind of like, do, did you watch Misfits? Yeah. Yeah. It's you know the like kids Misfits. with the superpowers, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That, so I, I'm like, I really want to see it. Yeah. It's a similar <laughs> vibe, but it's not going to be out until next year because it's quite uh, a big, um, VFX. VFX. Yeah. So yeah. we were shooting it. We started shooting in August last year right the way through to January this mm -hmm. year. And even from, obviously from last year, people would see us on the streets and be like, okay, where, where can I see this movie? And it's like, it's, it's a show and it's going to be a while. So 2024 is what we're looking at. Wow, so, fingers crossed. Yeah. I can't wait to it's see it. It's a long it. stretch, but it will be worth it. You know, like yeah. in the UK, we're only now starting to see um, black people and black characters enter into these spaces like sci-fi, magical mm. realism and superheroes. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. really exciting. So, you know, I was trying to look into, you know, your beginning how you got into okay. writing and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. you used to write poetry yeah yeah oh, can you do a piece <laughs> oh my god do you have anything off the cuff oh my god wow <laughs> i don't think i'd um i don't think i'd be able to even remember because it was such a long time ago right right but you know when you look back on your life and you see how like kind of god put you in certain positions and put you in certain spaces mm -hmm. and you you kind of can connect the dots and it's funny like i'd say i really started writing properly on a trip to ghana when I came here, I was nine years old oh. and I came with, uh, yeah, I came with my family and I had like a little notepad oh. and I just found myself using that notepad to start writing stories and poems. And what kind of like stories that. were you writing about? Oh. Nine year old, first time yeah. in Ghana? First time in Ghana, just everything. I think to be honest, when I first got here, um, because in London, at that, especially at that age, if people ask where you're from, say Ghana. Yeah. I hadn't been before. <laughs> you know, my, my Ghana was very wobbly. It still is sometimes. Mm. So, I kind of saw my, I'm from Ghana, I'm from Ghana. Yeah. And then I came here and then everyone's like, you're not from, you're not from here. You're from of London. Course, of course, of course. So the it accent. was either accent, yeah. the food, some things I could eat, some things I couldn't eat. And um, it was a big realization that, oh, wow. As much as I'd identified as a Ghanaian, when I was here, I realized, okay, actually the people here see you as a, as a foreigner. Did they say Obroni? I didn't hear it, probably. But I didn't this is that's something <laughs> I've realized. So Obroni is literally for like, you know, Caucasians. Yeah, but I've realized yeah. Ghanaians still call. Yeah. Even if you're black. Yeah. Blofonio. And you have an accent. Yeah. Blofonio. Oh, you're yeah, a guy. I'm a guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Are both parents Ghanaian? Yeah. Therefore, when I got here at that age and I was like, oh, it was a bit of a culture shock because as I said, I identified as a Ghanaian. But being here, um, I realized I was I was kind of split in two. Uh -huh. There's the Britishness of me and there was the Ghanaianness of me and I couldn't. 
Mm. I couldn't really separate them. Um, so I just found myself in a very res- reflective space. I used to just sit there with my notepad and write, write my feelings, write my thoughts and write my stories. Mm. Um, and that developed over the years until I find myself where I am now, still writing and creating characters and worlds. Right. Yeah. yeah, you you spoke about um, the Hydra. Yeah. You wrote, that was like the first... Um, that was my first short film. That you wrote. And yeah. then it won you an award. Yeah, that's right. How does that feel like when you're trying something for the first time and it, you just win an award? It was insane. Honestly, because it was such a passion project. I was studying at the time and me and two of my friends, we just had access to lots of kit because we were studying. So we had, there were cameras, there's editing suites. So we, we were like, why don't we just make something? And we didn't really have a plan. It was just this kind of creative energy and we just all wanted to create something. And we didn't know really about film festivals. This was before YouTube even existed. Mm. So it was like, what do we do with this film? Was this uh, 2008? This was, yeah, we shot it in 2007. Seven, okay. Yeah. Um, and then we we shot something and then um, one of my friends, Shola, who's now, um, he's doing really well. Um, he submitted it to some film festivals. Mm. So, okay, what, what's, what's what are we about? doing? What's what going on? <laughs> and then, yeah, lo and behold, we were at the BFI for the BFM Awards and it won Best Film at wow. this awards. And um, it was a moment, even just seeing it on the big screen, just the first time that something has gone from a concept to a reality and then not just a reality that is to kind of disappear, but something tangible that people have loved mm. and accepted and has moved them in some way. And I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. So yeah. it kind of like set the pace for you. Absolutely. Right. Everything that I write has some kind of, it comes from somewhere deep within. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be as deep as the fact, okay, I'm born and raised in London. It's about what I've seen and people I've met. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time it goes much deeper than that. So for example, my feature film, um, Birdsong has been with the, it, it's, with, it's in development. It's been with the BBC for three years now um, in development. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I saw that you are on your fourth draft. Yeah, I'm on my fourth You're draft. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you know that? <laughs> I know everything. You know everything. <laughs> well, it's, it's technically my fourth draft, yeah. but it must be my hundredth, honestly. I started yeah. it in 2019. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that's completely set in Ghana. Right. Like because it's, you, I, I've, I've read the synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you were featured on Britlist. Yes, it was on Britlist. Can you yeah. tell the people what Britlist is? Right. So Britlist is like an annual list that's released in the UK um, of the top 20 unproduced scripts in the country Mm. um so that was a big deal because again i'd written it like on spec no one had commissioned it i'd written it because i had this story i wanted to tell and that's what i mean about like i hadn't watched lots of Ghanaian films or listened to much Ghanaian music but i'd been here and i had memories here i remember my grandparents and um the stories my parents would tell me about them and i very much had fallen in love with this country at a very, very young age so this story was just on my mind and I wanted to tell it. So that, that whole film is set in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd written it by, you know, without it being commissioned. And um, then I had to pitch people to, to get it off the ground. Um, and then, yeah, Britlist got a hold of it and they, they loved it and they put me on the list. Right, right. No, I was thinking Birdsong maybe had something to do with your life. Yeah, there's definitely aspect. Gosh, you yeah, are a detective. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, because no, you're it a says a young person comes back to Ghana, where she's from, to yeah. connect with, you know, so that's what yeah, I was no, thinking. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's you. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Oh, God. Wow, no, don't worry. So no. I, saw, I saw an old interview that you did okay. um, where you said that you weren't really focusing or interested in mainstream. You wanted to do film. 
Right. You know, and now... How long, you, how long ago did I say? <laughs> I think that was like nine years ago. Okay. Yeah. And now you're pretty much mainstream, you know, yeah. Netflix, Sky, all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say some of yeah. the difficult things about the job you're doing now, especially now that you're like in the mainstream yeah. and big budget? Yeah. yeah. That's a fantastic question. I think, to be honest... As, as like we continue in our careers and in our journeys, obviously our perspectives change. Mm. And I feel like 10 years ago, I hadn't done anything mainstream before. And I had a perception that if I entered into mainstream film and TV, that I would be restricted in terms of the kinds of stories I could tell, could tell. Mm. The, my voice being restricted. And again, just being in a space which is where you're a minority, you know, like... In the UK, black people are a minority. Therefore, you might pitch a story. Like I was pitching Birdsong and I thought, are these people going to, are they going to get it? Are they going to yeah. understand it? It's completely set in Ghana. And I tried to be as authentic as I could to this world. Plus, a lot of it is set in the past, mm. you know, not, okay. the, not, not too far, but, you know, set within the past 20, 30 years. So um, when you're pitching to people who may not necessarily understand may not necessarily respect your vision, may not necessarily respect you. Um, it's it's very tricky. So with independent film, you raise your budget and you go and do what you want and you keep that that authority so and that integrity. Does that mean it's typically the same in the UK as well, where the people, like the powers that be are mostly Caucasians? Oh, absolutely. There are no black people in the room that's making the decisions on whether we are picking this script. It's very slowly starting to change, mm. but it's very difficult. And unfortunately, what's happening just within the past week since I've even been in Ghana, I've had two of my contacts um, say, you know what? I can't do it anymore because of that reason. Mm. It's very psychologically and emotionally draining because as people who are storytellers, writers, directors, put their heart and soul into this mm -hmm. you have people who are working on something for five years pitching it pitching it and to be just looked at saying oh no we've got something similar on our slate because it's got black other black people in it <laughs> you know like it it's like no but i've been i've put my blood certain tears <laughs> and people start to give up after a while yeah. so we are starting to see more black people in these spaces and and that's one of the reasons why i personally like can't and won't give up and why I appreciate the space that I have. I've, I am grateful to be in the position that I'm in and I'm very intentional about opening the doors for more people. We need more of us mm. to take up space in the UK and the US and obviously here in Ghana well, as well. In that light of uh, opening the doors, what's yeah. it like to get into Netflix, you know, as someone that's working um, the way you do? Because we have a lot of talented filmmakers, scriptwriters, and, you know, the new um, wave of creatives in Ghana now mm. are trying to position themselves to be globally recognized. Absolutely. And um, unfortunately, or for, I don't know, unfortunately, we have a lot of gatekeeping that happens. Like right. if one person makes it into, let's say, Netflix or right. whatever, they're really not trying to open the doors for everybody to no. come in so they can be like the solo person, you know. So I'm just wondering, what's it like to get into, you know, the Netflix bag? Mm. Or how did you get into Netflix? Or um, know, so so it? that was just the opposite of what you've described. Actually, it was there was a black organization mm -hmm. called um, called the Insight Network, who are always kind of connecting black people, and oh, they okay. every every um, month they used to hold uh, this is before COVID. They used to hold like um, like a little networking day and mm. look how to go for drinks, and it was really really nice. Um, and you were just connecting again with other black writers, producers, et cetera. And then one day I just got an email and they said, um, there's a show, Stay Close, that are looking for a producer. Um. And it's based in Manchester. I live in London. It's quite far. It's about four hours away. Um, they're looking for a producer for this show. You 
it said specifically you don't have to relocate but <laughs> <laughs> like you know if you want to apply you can apply so I put myself forward and I said okay cool and then I had an interview with Nicola Schindler and Richard Fee the mm-hmm. two execs on the show and then I got the position and then it was like okay when are you coming to Manchester I said okay <laughs> I'm coming um, and then and then and that I got was your the first show. gig with Netflix that was my first oh, Netflix okay. show and then after that um yeah, they reached back out after Netflix, um, after um, Stay Close because they did really, really well. Yeah. And they said, we've got we've got two shows um, and they put two shows in front of me and they said, we'd like to work with you again. Which one would you want to do? And I picked Supercell. Supercell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. Because that's closer to Rock Nation. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're your no, back. No, no. It's a great story. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> no, it's a great, it's a great story. <laughs> no, it's a joke. <laughs> I get it. Um, Yeah, so I definitely look, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> My joke, yeah. Um, I heard you got called to the Buckingham Palace. What's happening yeah. there? <laughs> what you, what you mean? Yeah, what were you doing there? Did you meet the Queen? Um, so that was um, I won um, an award for the Women of the Future Awards, mm-hmm. which was just kind of celebrating women in various industries. There was kind of like women in tech, women mm-hmm. in um, entertainment, etc. Um, and I won the arts and culture mm-hmm. award. And so they took some of the winners there to Buckingham Palace. Just, yeah. Exactly. But you enjoy directing though. I do enjoy it. Oh, I do enjoy okay. it. I do. I really enjoyed it. I'm Mary and Joy. Um, yeah. Mm. yeah. I see you're also, you also worked on Moon Over Ibri. Yeah. That's right. That's a, yeah. another one. Yeah. That was, was shot in Ghana, right? That was shot in Ghana yeah. last year. Um, I, someone told me. You worked with the, a little girl. The little girl that was in Moon Over Aubrey was in Blitz, Burial of Kujo. That's right, Cynthia Dunkwa. Really? Yeah. I've seen Burial of Kujo and I think it's visually, it's so... It, yes. Yeah. And I honestly, I'm also intrigued and interested in seeing what she looks like now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she taller. looks the same. She's just ever so slightly taller, oh. but she still looks the same. Um, but she, she's incredible. Like, really how'd you get, how'd you, how'd you um, get uh, into Moon Over Aubrey? How did that come together and how did your involvement yeah. happen? So um, a friend of mine, um, Aniwa uh, she we went to secondary school together actually she's an actress mm-hmm. um, and uh, she reached out to me and she said she had some projects that she'd been developing and one of them was this mm. this beautiful short film written by an American writer named Kwame Dawes and then um, yeah it was just kind of a no-brainer that after knowing each other for so long let's come together on, on something that will bring us both home because she's based in the UK as well and Kwame is based in America Um and uh, she sent it. She sent me a few, and it was like, "This is the one." Um, within a few months, she raised the budget for it, um, and we came over here and shot it with a pug. Um, oh, a pug! Yeah, a pug. Oh, yeah. Exceptional talent. Incredible, <laughs> incredible talent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible talent. Incredible people. Mm-hmm. And that was a, also what was beautiful about the experience was not only was it a homecoming for me after being away for ten years, but working with such talented cast and crew on that film, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously. The next step will be the feature, Birdsong. Yeah. So. Okay, so um, generally, do you think that you're ever going to, um, you know, do like a huge Ghanaian production um, focusing on telling stories of the Ghanaian people here? Because, you know, when I look at um, Birdsong, Moon of Ibri, it's mostly like someone coming from the diaspora reconnecting. I don't know, maybe Moon of Ibri, I'm not so Moon sure. Moon of Ibri is um, two Ghanaians. Two Ghanaians. Yeah. Okay, well. 
Shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do you, do you look forward to doing more collaborations here in Ghana? Absolutely. Uh, right? Absolutely. I, I like with, even with Birdsong, so the main character is a British Ghanaian who returns home, but everyone that it's about her mm. experience here and meeting with the, her family, her cousins, her friends, and, and very much kind of this experience. But I could only tell it from the, from the perspective of me, of someone who's come come back home do you know what i mean right um right. but yeah the more that i'm here like i love i love ghana and i'd love to work here more so mm. yeah it's a no-brainer and i think as i was saying to you before we started the interview like it's it's beautiful watching the whole world fall in love with ghana it's like <laughs> what took you so long yeah like, they're catching up <laughs> they're just catching up and i'm like okay this used to be my little secret place for me like mm. everyone all my friends didn't know about yeah. it now they're all here they're out here partying even in april oh they're here all the time coming right. in and that people are moving out here but i love seeing people fall in love with this place and um right. see it kind of take its position amongst one of the greatest mm. countries in the world okay so my last question to you is going to be a bit of a cliche but um for anybody that's looking to take writing, film writing, producing, and even directing seriously to a level where they could also be global and work for, you know, Amazon, Netflix, what would you say they need to work on? Or what should they be paying attention to? Um, I'd say two things, like living, like actual living mm -hmm. life experience. You know, when you spoke about life challenges, obviously we laughed and we joked and all of that, but... I feel like to actually write, you have to have something to draw from, you know, like to write about love, you have to have fallen in love. You have to have felt love. True. You know what I mean? You have to have felt heartbreak. You have to be able to have experienced the spectrum of emotions to really write it in a way that will connect. And people will say, yeah, I mm. felt that. Um, so to actually like close your laptop, <laughs> put your phone away and live, like travel, meet people, hear people. You might go to a cafe and hear an old woman speak and that's a character in your story mm. or that's a, a line or a, a, a location. Like you have to live in order to write. You have to meet people in order to create characters. Um, and then second to that is to study the art of it because I feel like the generation that I'm going to sound like an old woman now, but the next generation <laughs> that's coming up, everything's so quick. I think it's, social yeah. media puts yeah. so much pressure. It's like, now, 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 mm -hmm. I want to be Netflix. I need an agent. I need this. I need that. Like honing on your skill mm. and everything will come to you. Honing on your talent and agents are going to come and, and say, like, who are you with? Um, so I feel like actually studying the art of it. Don't just be in a rush, but like, if you are like anything that's valuable, you want to understand it. There's a craft you know, to write and there's a craft to directing. So just in order to be the best you can, study your craft and live your life. True. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely study your craft, live life so you can yeah. get you can get experiences to actually write about. Exactly. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. This was a fun interview. I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I had a really good time. Very insightful. Thank you, you know. <laughs> Thank you really so much for coming by Sheila Notley. Thank you for yeah. having me. What's Joseph? your gun name in the middle? Nah Shokai. Nah. Ashokai. Ashokai. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I I <laughs> said I don't know what it means. Yeah. But so it's the third I'm the third daughter. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thanks for coming on Cecilia Crow. Thank you for having okay. me. Okay.
Bidibaboom, Enye, J, Som Wab wab, hunan kotwa me kaset go chrome Na atom, Bidian sisa banche, wante Matcha dan kutitunu wa fwom Nyame na de chere me, Eye matcha dia man kutelu wo jom DJ rewind me, DJ bone kyom Mi nukona man na mokan, Nuhuni anama ye kom Dinsen, kukwa, mucho kiko bom R-O-C-K-S-T-O-N-E The name is Reggie Yawa Sante Alright, we're back and yeah, you guys have met Sheila Notley and I really hope that you have learned um, something about her story and you're going to keep checking out for her because you look, look, I always say we have a lot of talented Ghanaians, okay? There's a lot of skilled Ghanaians, very talented, but Ghanaians are in the business of talking down on people. Ghanaians are in the business of finding faults with the things that are there. Instead of projecting the ones that are actually well done and doing well. You know, I, I don't know if, if you get what I'm trying to say. Like, recently somebody was saying Sinasol is overrated. Are you for real? Are you, like, even from her very first song, Awo. Like, how many people can do that key change? Awo. Like, climb all the way. Look at all the stuff that she's giving you. Are you serious? Lolonye. Femoni machebo lolonye. I mean, muka fun power chrome how you know what I'm trying to say. Somebody is working so hard, you know, doing so well. She's climbing up, and maybe you feel like, oh, she hasn't gotten to. I don't know. Like, what is it? Is it, is it like because she's not on Jackie's level and she's not outside Ghana all the time? Or like, what is it that influences you people to say some of these things? Every artist has a journey, and unfortunately for these artists, you people are kind of part of their journey, and this is all you guys do. You know what I mean? And I don't want to digress because it's a different tangent. But basically what I'm trying to say is, you know, promote what we have. We have talented people. We have skilled people. I feel like there's a certain bias that we we have where we just think that things that come out of here are not good. Because there are people that are doing similar things, sound the same. Because they're from outside Ghana, we're ready to say, oh my God, amazing. You know what I mean? Um... Baganians are doing great things and we need to support them. And uh, yeah, guys, we're going to go straight into our shout outs um, because, you know, this is our episode, guys. I, I know it's a very different episode than what you're used to, but, you know, this is what we we, we are bringing to you <laughs> this time around. That's it. Change your style. Change your style. I mean, it be like that. On the next episode, we be like that. Anyway, let's get into our shout outs. On this episode, we're going to be shouting out Isa Salim 4910. Isa Salim 4910 from YouTube. He, um, he commented under the EL video and said, this video was short. I enjoyed it though. I picked this because I wanted to just, you know, give you guys a little bit of explanation because I feel like we've done this, but maybe we've not done it thoroughly. So we have so many IPs now. IP being intellectual property. That's for Sincerely Accra. We have the podcast that comes out every two weeks on Monday. We have the Twitter spaces that comes out every two weeks on Thursdays that we do. That was a live show. So you join us. And now we have exclusive YouTube interviews called Behind the Hits. So you see that those ones are called B behind BTS. B 
behind the hits. Hey, no, BTH, sorry. <laughs> Someone to say, I was trying to figure it out. Yeah. BTH. So they, the, the name of the, the videos will be presented by BTH on YouTube. That one, it means it's not on the podcast. If you see a video that has BTH, it means it is not on the podcast. It is solely on YouTube and you'll get a full episode. So like the Kitty one, the B for Bono one, those are full episodes or, or, or full interviews on the YouTube. Now, when you see the ones that are labeled Sincerely Accra, SA, uh, episode nine, whatever, whatever, those are podcast episodes. And for the podcast episodes, we only give you a short clip or like about 15 to 20 minutes of the entire podcast episode because, you know, we want you to come and listen to the podcasts. <laughs> it's that simple. We just want to retain our audio listeners whilst we, we just, it's like a soft launch of the video. We are just, you know, launching the video small, you know, small by small as we grow, as we get bigger, as the YouTube grows, more subscribers, we will look into putting out the full video there because then we will definitely have different market segments where people are like okay fully video and people are fully audio but for now this is the breakdown so if you see any interview that ends abruptly know that the rest of it's on the podcast and the ones that are full are just solely youtube you're not going to get on the podcast and that's all that's what it is so um isa salim 4910 i hope i've explained that to you and everybody else that gets confused every time the video is too short or oh, where's the rest of the interview this is why um the next person that i'm going to be shouting out is equa underscore kwatima on tiktok um she responded to uh you know the highlight video from the last essay live with sina so and Jade Robi, where I was asking about Kim Promise is Promised Land and Muzama is what? And she was like, she doesn't understand why, like, she was like, that's what came to her, Muzama Disco Christo Church. But the thing is that Promised Land is the name of Kim Promise's December show. So when I say Promised Land is to Kim Promise, then Muzama is to who? Muzama is Black Sharif's December show. That's what he calls it, you know. And I've even realized that they say they're calling it Zama. I don't know. But anyway, that's what it was. So shout out to Equa underscore Kwatima on TikTok. Guys, we're on TikTok, so make sure you follow us there as well. And listen, I realize that you guys are watching the videos on TikTok. You are following us, but you don't comment. I Yandy Oliver Twist don't give us crumbs. Like, share, comment, follow, subscribe, talk about us, praise us, come to our events, buy the ticket, do every just say everything, do it because you love us. And with the love that you show us, we shall grow and grow and grow and we shall never dip and dip and dip and dip and dip but we will come out whole. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, comes the end of this exciting episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed um, what we did. It's always, definitely always a good time on Sincerely Your Cry and make sure you're always checking for us, you know, because we don't disappoint. We're always going to bring the fun we're always going to bring you the joy, you know. It is what it is. We do what we can. So keep checking for us. My name is Joseph N.C. I'm the host. Uh, quick shout out to the Gold Coast Report and Mr. Kwame Asante, my co-creator and producer of this amazing podcast. Sincerely across, sincerities, we love you. And we'll catch you on the next one. I think I am a ticking time bomb I fuck to what I 
back until I'm gone. So I give it to love to Zion. Never let the bite come, the bite come. Spotting up the race. Till then it's all getting in my brain. But man wanna hurt me. Them money eliminate me. Plenty I know get no go. I said to start from zero. They wanna stop my grind. They wanna steal my shine. Evil all around me. See wicked people. Don't go via my wall again. I'm more cheap. Because I know get no go. I said to start from zero. They wanna stop my grind. They wanna steal my shine. Blood soaking vampire. To touch me, you touch fire. Ten toes, I don't tire, more money, more cheddar Cause me be the top shiller Yeah, I know me blind, oh I will speak my mind, oh You can't dim my light, oh Please don't waste my time, oh Me may yell, now may yell Judge, judge, when no man ya buy yell One man down, two man drown Let no man ever touch my crown I say no be race Till the net all getting in my brain But man wanna hate me This has been a Gold Coast Report production.